Hello, and welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today. She's a former colleague of mine from my VA days, where we worked together on a program. And during that time, I was just so impressed with how she led her team. Her name is Mary Messner. Mary has dedicated her career to approaching challenges with creativity, refusing to accept the status quo, and leading with a determination to grow others. Her speaking engagements, workshops, and consultancy provide tangible strategies for companies, organizations, and individuals. Mary also spends time with Madam President Camp, a nonprofit youth organization designed to inspire girls to use their voice to become leaders in their communities now and in the future. Mary, welcome to the show. Hi, Ernest. Can I call you Ernest or do I have to call you Dr. Wade? Yes. I'm calling you Ernest. No, Ernest, absolutely. Good. Good. Please. Yeah. Mary, <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show because I remember you know, when we used to work together, you were always so great at managing your team. And I thought, you know, you're such a great leader. And, and so I really want to hear about how you did that. I also want to hear about uh, Madam, Madam President initiative that you have. But first off, I always want to start off by asking, how did you get into the world of business? How did you become a leader? All right. Well, we'll go, we'll go way back. But actually, before we do that, can I add one thing in here? Because it's here it is October yes. 2023. It was right like mm-hmm. two years ago to pretty much this month that you and I last had an opportunity to work together. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? We've had some phone calls. But this is around oh, the wow. time that yeah, we that's, that's no true. longer working together. So I'm timing is perfect. I'm thrilled yeah. to be back talking with you again. Two years. It's kind of sad. You remind me of that because that's that was that was a sad moment uh-huh. for me. And then we worked together during the pandemic. I mean, you and I have we've been through some yeah. things, Ernest. So <laughs> this, <laughs> this is good. Yeah to be talking again. All right. So to your question, getting into the world of business, um, you know, I started my career in healthcare and my degree is in health information management. So I started, I did not know that. That is my degree. I worked at a large for-profit health center in Kansas city, Missouri, leading, you know, right out of college at 23. uh, I started my job as a manager. I had a team from gosh, from oh, wow. day one. And, and, you know, you start these things and you really don't know what you're doing. So you screw it up a lot mm-hmm. and then you learn from the screw ups and <laughs> you apply the learnings going forward. So, so for me, it wasn't even how did I get into business or how did I get into leadership? It, it started, uh, that's where it started for me. And it's, so you started off right as I a leader. Did. I did. And, you know, we can define the term leader and say that we are all leaders independent of mm-hmm. direct reports. But for that story, I'm blending leader and manager into the same definition. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I had to I had to figure out how to lead people both as an, an individual who was inspiring, guiding, influencing, encouraging and as a manager who was ultimately from mm-hmm. a you know hr standpoint ultimately accountable responsible for mm-hmm. these individuals yeah yes yes exactly and then you know throughout my career it became kind of that 
I'd say that dance back and forth of really enjoying that responsibility or that accountability to have teams and to grow teams and balance that with, you know, the, the recognition that sometimes that's really hard and exhausting and sometimes mm -hmm. you need to step away and put yourself first and prioritize your own goals. And, you know, I, I did that mm -hmm. in my career through beginning early on in that managerial role, taking a step back and leaving an executive position when my kids were little, coming back into mm -hmm. a, you know, another leadership role or managerial role as my career grew when I put some effort back into the workforce and then where I am now of back to leading myself and, and leading my business. But it's, I use the term dance because there's, there's always that desire to engage and to, to, to lead others. How yeah. you do that sometimes shifts and changes based on your state in life. Can you, can you talk a little bit about how that has shifted for you? Because you, you did start off um, you know, as a young leader, and, and I, you know, I'm a strong believer that the, the more experiences you have, the more you continue to learn and grow, the better you get at things. I'm interested to learn, how did your leadership approach, your leadership journey change and adapt over time? The best way that I'll answer that, you know, using probably the concepts of, of emotional intelligence. So one of the biggest things for me was mm -hmm. self-awareness and self-regulation. I, and Ernest, you've probably seen some of this, you know, when we switched to meeting on Zoom, we got to see facial expressions yeah. a lot. And yeah. when I'm in a stressful situation or something is presented that is frustrating to me, there used to be a time early on that I reacted to that emotion. And that meant I had the more aggressive conversation or I brought something up mm -hmm. more eagerly and kind of throwing caution to the wind. But as I grew in my leadership role, I'd say one of the biggest changes for me was the ability to become aware of those emotions, what was triggering those mm -hmm. emotions, and then to apply self-regulation. So take a deep breath, maybe ask some clarifying mm -hmm. questions allow for a little bit of pause. And the beauty of that is when you mm -hmm. can do that, it allows someone else to also regulate. So your self-regulation gives someone else yeah. the pause and the opportunity to self-regulate as well. So I think all of us, you know, we're all motivated by something. There's, there's something in the back of our mm -hmm. mind and, and maybe it's in the front of our mind. Maybe people know exactly what the motivation is, but oftentimes it's something that we don't, we don't, know about or we don't the other person doesn't know about mm -hmm. and having that opportunity to be aware of your emotions to self-regulate to pause to allow the other person to pause it also creates space to explore someone else's emotions or motivations mm -hmm. to understand their perspective and then and then you can create your response or your action based on that additional learning. And Ernest, I don't even remember the question mm -hmm. that you first asked me before I went down that 
that no, response, you, but I you, think you, I'm still you're on answering point. your question exactly. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you you absolutely are, and it actually what you're talking about is is something that I've noticed a lot, and um, actually something that I do with 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 all my clients is to to help them first increase their self awareness, mm-hmm. right? Because I think um, the, we know from the research that when we feel like we're being threatened, we we react. Mm-hmm. Right, it's that fight or flight we react, and when that happens, your ability to think clearly, to actually respond appropriately, significantly diminishes. And so, what you're doing is exactly what I tell people: is is take the time to decrease your emotions. You know, bring the temperature down in yourself, and allow that to happen in other people. And then you can actually use what you have in terms of your cognitive resources. You can think through things more carefully and respond more appropriately so that's i i love the way that you're describing that you're responding instead of reacting and you've, you've learned that yourself over time that's that's a really great approach well and you know what i think is interesting about that is we tell i mean i tell my kids i've got a seven and eight year old i tell them all the time when they get frustrated or you know i have one that that is mm-hmm. very emotional and goes to emotions quickly my response to her is hey why don't you go take a minute and, and why don't you go take a minute mm-hmm. in your in your room, you know, in the other room? And I, mm-hmm. from the outside looking in, I know it almost feels like, hey, go to timeout because you're getting too emotional. But it's not that. It's giving her the permission to, to have an opportunity to regulate her own emotions so that when she comes back, she's approaching the continued conversation with a clear head. And, you know, you hear about it in marriage mm-hmm. of like sometimes the spouse is like, I just, I just got to walk away from this conversation. But when you put those into yeah. the work world, you can't oftentimes be on a client. I mean, think about our relationship, Ernest. If I had been like, Ernest, I just, I'm going to hang up on you now. And we're, go. gonna, <laughs> we're just not going to keep doing this. But but you couldn't do that. So so you have to, I mean, maybe you can, but that's not the path that I, that I choose. So in that moment, mm-hmm. when you're in the middle of that professional conversation, you still have to have those mm-hmm. opportunities sometime to say, I'm, I'm going to take a moment and take a breath. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's as simple as give me a moment while I, I think through this a bit. And you can outwardly mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. I need this. I need this break or asking questions. Tell, can you tell me more about that? Can you help me understand where you're coming yeah. from? And that creates that break that sometimes we can't overtly say that we're making like we can in our personal life. I, I absolutely love the way that you're describing that. And I know what what we all love to hear is examples, mm-hmm. right? So I, I know you used to work at Cerner yeah. and you've worked internationally and with people with different cultures and things like that. Do you have any examples of when you've had to use this and how that's gone with, with, your, with your clients? I mean, Ernest, I used it with you. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. So for your listeners, you, you were, I mean, you were, how do we phrase this? I was, Uh well, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to explain the relationship. So I was your vendor in essence, if for lack of a better term. So the VA, Mm -hmm. your company hired my company, Cerner Mm -hmm. to implement an electronic health record. And our piece was to create this training program for um, individuals in the VA to use data analytics to improve outcomes for veterans. So really great 
mm -hmm. vision, really great mission. There was really good intention behind the work that we did. Um, but you think about some of the challenges we came across, you know, COVID in the midst of all of this, <sighs> going from an in-person training yeah. program to a fully virtual program and the inherent mm -hmm. tension that we were all under. You have kids, I have kids. Right. I mean, just yeah. trying to navigate all of that. You talk about somebody's motivation behind the scenes, like our motivations were all over the place. And sometimes it was yeah. trying to figure out how to do your job effectively while getting your kids lunch and to keep them from screaming right mm -hmm. next to you because you're working from a dining room table. Um, yeah. And so I, I mean, I'm trying to think of specific examples, you know, in some of our conversations, but, but I do remember, and I've heard you do the same thing too, where there's phrases that we both used like, okay, let me just, let me make sure I'm hearing this correctly. That's, that's something that I remember mm -hmm. hearing you. And then you would repeat it back. And that kind of, I think gave yep. you a beat and, and mm -hmm. me too, an opportunity to kind of pause. Um, yeah. Or to, to come back and yeah, I, I do that a lot yeah. where I where I summarize and and reflect to yes. make sure that I'm I'm hearing what you're saying appropriately. So I reflect it back to you to make sure that you're hearing it and making sure that the message that you're trying to communicate is is accurate. I'm getting it accurately, or something got lost in translation there. Let me take another shot yes. at it. So I, I I try to use that a lot, and I've heard you do yes. that a lot as well to try to, try to make sure that. Um, and I I actually remember. A time where you did that and i appreciated that you did that because the message got lost in translation right i think it was one of those times where i was trying to i was trying to ask for a and somehow it came out it was b and and so if you hadn't reflected it back for me i i we would have been at cross purposes yeah yeah i mean i think it's just because of our working relationship we we learned to do this i think very effectively with each other um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, that whole, that whole time period was a big blur. It's like a big black hole that everything goes into, but you know what, what I do think <laughs> here's where we can pat ourselves on the back during that window of time, we decreased the amount of meetings that everyone was in. We simplified our decision-making process. Mm -hmm. We enhanced how we are tracking the progress against our timeline, we actually shortened our timeline to get our work done. And I, I think we did all of that mm -hmm. by this commitment to saying our emotions are so heightened through everything that we're experiencing yeah. personally right now. We're going to meet each other where the other one is and commit to honest conversations, respectful conversations, pausing to hear each other out. And I don't know that we did this intentionally, but mm -hmm. that's, I think that's the reason why we were able to navigate that time effectively. I love what you're what you're what you're identifying there, right? Because we we what you're saying is we basically during that time where we identified the environment we're in that it was excessively stressful, mm -hmm. right? It was it was more stressful than than we would normally um, be in, and so we we explicitly discussed and agreed to cut each other a little bit more slack and to just meet each other where mm -hmm. you are, right? Because I think that's what you're describing is when people are stressed, they're typically not at their best, right? And so recognizing that this is a very stressful situation, you have work commitments, you have home commitments, which are ramped up, you know, significantly. How do we, how do we get mm -hmm. through? 
I think that's a great approach is recognizing the environment that you're in and figuring out how can we adjust our approach to be successful in this mm -hmm. environment. And I think empathy played a huge role in all of that. And we, we really, because all of our experiences through that time were so unique, we couldn't, we couldn't necessarily always exactly understand what the other person was going through, but we could attempt to bring some empathy into the conversation. Um, yeah. And I, I, you know, again, reflecting back on that, those, those are just some things that really stand out to me in the midst yeah. of chaos. Yeah, I agree. Now, Mary, I know since then that you've gone gone on to be successful inside of your own business. So tell us a little bit about that. I know that you focus on creativity. So talk a little bit about that work that you do. Please. Yeah. So so two years ago, I think it was maybe like a week from now, two years ago. But I I left Cerner and I went on to start my own business. And like so many of us do in year one of, of business, we do a lot of exploration I had spent mm -hmm. a lot of time at, at Cerner honing and crafting my professional speaking skills. It was something that I loved doing, you know, the, the bigger the audience, the better I get a lot of energy from that. And I enjoy giving the mm -hmm. energy back. So I said yes to a lot of opportunities and spoke in front of a lot of audiences. And, you know, little by little over the, the last couple of years have kind of built I guess um, I'll use the term brand, even though I'm not a branding expert, but learn to identify what is important to me and what I enjoy mm -hmm. bringing to others and into both to individuals and also into companies and into the workplace. And you use the word creativity mm -hmm. and I'll expand on that a little bit. You know, we think about the idea of creativity as being arts and crafts and while that certainly is a component of it. Being willing to introduce creativity into a project plan, into problem solving, and moving anything from point A to point mm -hmm. B allows us an opportunity to tackle that thing in front of us with innovation, with mm -hmm. unexpected thought, with um, a celebration of new bold ideas, a celebration of an individual that's walking along this path and looking for their authenticity showing up. And for me, that's what I'm thinking about when I mm -hmm. use the term creativity. So the, the biggest thing that I do, and I, I do a lot of this through keynote speaking, that's, that's what place that I love to be is is really on stage. But ultimately, I want to encourage individuals, teams, organizations, companies to simply think differently, to accept the fact that what is in front of them and the path that they think they need to go down from move to from point A to point B doesn't have to be the path that seems obvious or that seems expected. Mm -hmm. It can actually be them simply creating something unexpected. And the benefits of facing things with that mentality is that you do come up with those innovative mm -hmm. ideas. You do come up with employees mm -hmm. that are excited and engaged and committed. You come up with solutions that are differentiators. You solve problems in mm -hmm. new and exciting ways. 
And the more you do that, the easier it is to do it the next time. So, you know, this creativity lends to more creativity and innovation lends to more innovation. And innovation. that's my whole goal is to yeah. bring more of that into life and into the workplace. I love that approach in, in terms of really speaking to to organizations to help to, to allow their employees to be more mm-hmm. creative, right? To, to really be able to reach in and and be more creative and inspire more more different approaches to things because as, as you said that can lead to success right thinking differently can lead to success so I, I, I really love that you're you're inspiring organizations to do that yeah. um, Mary h- how do people reach you how do they get a hold of you if they want to have you you know be a keynote or, or you know talk to you in any way you know I uh, I am scared of social media. <laughs> I know other people are, I'm not the only one, but I'll say I live and breathe on LinkedIn. So I, I, I do really love LinkedIn. I think it's such a beautiful platform for ideation and people celebrating each other. So LinkedIn under Mary Messner, I have a website, marymessner.com. I am on Instagram, like not very often, but I'm there and I, you can find me there at the Mary Messner. Those are probably the three the three places, but I try to put some interesting ideas okay. out into the world on LinkedIn. So that's always my number one. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. And Mary, before you go, I always want to take advantage of all the experts that we have on here and ask, what's a tip that you can share with leaders or organizations in this day and age? Here, you know, the, the one thing that I will say, and this is probably something that I've used as a guiding principle for me. I'll say there's two parts to it. The first one is it doesn't have to be so hard. We hear so many people say, well, I would do it, but it, gosh, it's really hard. Or Oof, I just, I don't know how to mm-hmm. get my company in the direction that I want it to go in. It's really hard. And I think mm-hmm. it becomes, I don't know, an excuse, a crutch, a fallback. So I'd, I'd first encourage people even just have that mindset of saying, it doesn't have to be so hard. There are other paths we can walk down. Creativity is a great way to start identifying those different paths. And then that Mm follow-up mindset is simply, we can figure this out. It doesn't have to be so hard. We can figure it out. Everything is solvable. Sometimes it just takes a little creative thought and a little bit of innovation and creating something unexpected. Yeah, I, I love that advice because to me it speaks to first believing that you can't you can do it right, being positive in your thought and, and that you can get where you want to go, and then trying different things. If you've tried something and it doesn't work, try something mm-hmm. else. You know, be creative in your in your approaches because I think as you've said, you know, creativity can lead to success, and so being being able and willing to try different things. Yes, you got it. Well, summarized. Well, Mary, that has been really fun having you on. Yeah. Great. Yeah, that was really, really fun having you on, Mary. This is this is reminiscing about some of the, the good old days. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was fun to chat with you and dredge up some of those fun and hard, but also also exciting memories. Yeah, absolutely. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us next time. <laughs>